Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Chef Jennifer Johnson of Hip Chick Farms to talk about her experience with cooking a meal for President Obama and her life on the farm. Jennifer was a former sous chef with Chez Panisse under Alice Waters, credited with starting the global sustainable food movement. For the last 14 years, Jen has served as the executive chef for Anne and Gordon Getty, one of San Francisco's most prominent families, where she is also tasked with preparing healthy, home-cooked lunches for students at the household's Montessori school. In 2015, Chef Jen and Hip Chick Farms co-founder, Serafina Palandek were named Most Innovated Women in Food and Drink by Food and Drink Magazine. Jen attended the California Culinary Academy where she earned an Associates of Arts degree. Welcome to the show today, Jen. Thank you, Greg. How are you doing? Oh, great. Great. Thank you for being here. Great. So I shared a bit about you. you. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Sure. I uh, I started, I went to cooking school in San Francisco in the late 80s and just rock and roll, rock and roll. Don't remember much. And then I had to do an intern and fell in love with Chez Panisse and the whole concept over there. So I ran over there and tried to get an internship there. And they said, go away, little kid. Um, uh-huh. We're not interested in you because you went to the culinary academy. So I, I left my backpack there, so I had to run back and get it the next day with my tail between my legs, and I was like, you know what? I will not disappoint you. I work I work very hard, and so they said, okay, come on. And 10 years later, I, I it was the best experience of my life. I, I learned a lot, everything, not everything, but most of what I needed to just get a good foundation as far as cooking and understanding local and sustainable and all sorts of really interesting, delicious things, of course. And then after that, I ended up, uh, I, I left Chez Panisse in 2001, and then uh-huh. I went to Montana for around four months, and I ran a little uh, restaurant out there for a little while and loved it, and then came back 
to reality and uh, wanted to private chef. And this, uh, I now I've been private chefing for Anne and Gordon Getty uh, for the last 16 years. And wow. there's a Montessori school in the house as well. And so I've been cooking for children. Actually, the school just moved out. But for 15 years, I, uh, I cooked for children and I do all of their events and I cook for the principals. So it's definitely a multifaceted job. Keeps me very busy. Wow. Hold on. You just said yeah. a whole lot in that two-minute intro. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Let's talk about... And it's funny because I've only had two jobs my entire adult life. So that's pretty good. And I'm turning 50 in February. Oh, so. wow. Oh, wow. Well, happy happy yeah. early birthday. Old. Old. <laughs> no. We still have... I'm 50. <laughs> we've, I'm 55. We still have, of, have half of our life ahead Are of us. Are you? Yeah. Okay, good. I feel better. Yeah. Feel better. There you go. So, well, Getty. So you're a private chef for the, the Getty family. The Getty family, yes. I cook for Gordon Getty, who was J. Paul Getty's son. Uh-huh. And Anne, Anne Getty is his wife. Uh-huh. And they're, they have four children, four boys, but not, none of them live in the home. But believe me, this home is crazy busy without their children living here. They're all adults and have their own families. Yeah. But um, it's, a, it's a wonderful, amazing, I've, I meet very, very interesting people like the President of the United States uh-huh. and also just very interesting people in the arts, arts and fashion and um, the wine industry. Uh-huh. And, you know, you can only imagine being here for 15 quite a years. long time. You meet a lot of characters. Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly. So cooking for the President, did that happen? Yes at the Getty House or did you go to the White House? Oh no, it happened at the Getty House and it's actually his third or fourth time here. Uh-huh. But the thing that was different about this visit was he actually ate this time. So the last three times he was here, he didn't eat. He just came and took pictures and spoke. Um, and it's for the Democratic Party. It's a Nancy Pelosi event. They happen every year and she uh, had Biden in last year. And then this year she had um, President Obama again. And what was different for us this time was that he actually decided to eat our food. Uh, He had his chef with him, and he could have chose between either his chef or myself. And Uh he chose me. Nice. That was super exciting. Yeah, it was was very exciting. And, you know, I think also things can change at any moment with these events, especially such a high-profile event. Oh, yeah. It was kind of still, I wasn't sure if it was going to actually happen or not. And it, and it did. And it really was a, a feather in my cap for sure. Yeah, and, no kidding. Um, so, and then at the end of the, after the meal, they, his uh, valet or his steward and the, one of his chefs came to me and invited me to cook at the White House, which was a huge compliment. Wow. So have you done that yet? No, I plan on, uh, we're corresponding right now. We're trying to figure it out right now. Uh-huh. And uh, it looks like the end of September, early October. Oh, congratulations. How cool is that? Thank you. Yeah. It's so, really cool. It's, um, it's 200 White House staff and, and the Oval Office. So I, um, I'm hoping he will be part of the Oval Office, I'm assuming. So, so you're going to be cooking for 200 plus? Yes. <laughs> wow. All right, Which so, is not not a pro, not a problem. We've done a thousand people here. We've done oh we my usually gosh. do a hundred a uh, hundred person events here, uh, like weekly. So that's not a big oh deal. Oh my gosh! 
All right, we'll get back to that, but I want to talk about what was on President Obama's menu. Absolutely. Um, it was a little different than um, the menu that I sent upstairs to his guests. He actually ate downstairs uh-huh. in Mr. Getty's office, which is close proximity to the kitchen. Oh. And privately, privately with a few um, guests, and I'm not sure actually who those guests were. And so I served him this beautiful citrus salad, all sorts of different colors and shapes and on the bottom of the plate, and then a beautiful composed Dungeness crab salad because it's just been open the season. Uh-huh. And then a kumquat vinaigrette kind of drizzled over the top with some microgreens, chervil, et cetera. So the main course I did potato puree on the bottom mm-hmm. and then a, a, a braised Kobe short rib um, that's braised in Mr. Getty's plump jack. Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, nice. And uh, some heirloom carrots roasted, uh, horseradish salsa verde, and some spring onions that we turned into onion rings on the top. Ooh. And then for dessert, we did a chocolate mousse with hazelnut praline, creme caramel, and a Tahitian vanilla ice cream. All right, I'm going. With go- gold, gold, gold flecks all over it. All right, I'm going to eat. I'm hungry now. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Did he enjoy it? Yes. He loved it. Yeah. So any special tips or tricks about a White House special requests that went into the meal? There was a special request not to use asparagus. A special re- Oh, interesting. Not to use it. All right. Well, there you go. Um, I, I, I wanted, I, I felt like he was a meat and potatoes guy, California flair. Uh-huh. So tell me about the special care you took to make sure that things were local, organic, and healthy as possible for the president. Well, as you know, I live in the the fruit and meat basket of America. Uh-huh. Um, sustainable local is coming out of our ears. Nice. So that there there is there I I actually I have a forager that goes out and gets everything that I need the day of our events. So things are coming from the farmers markets. Things are coming from my uh, fish mongers uh-huh. that are only, you know, PC PC as you can get, and everything else is all ordered and, and brought in, and it's, it's the highest quality that one can possibly get, and also uh, humanely raised and local, wow. and all that good stuff, uh-huh. all the bells and whistles. Nice. So though though I have to say, I, I take that back. My my Kobe beef is from Snake River, Idaho. All right, well that's and I I stand by it. It's a wagyu. It's the American wagyu, and it's the most delicious steak I've ever had. I so yeah, that's that, close. That is true. I, I that is not local. That's not local. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I I have an interesting question for you about cooking for the president. Sure. Was was there security detail in the kitchen while you were cooking? Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Um, yes, there were more security and snipers and Secret Service here than all of our staff. It was everywhere. There uh-huh. were men in black. Oh, everywhere. interesting! Interesting. Um, and he travels with his chefs. Oh, right. There are fifty chefs that co- there are fifty chefs that cook at the White House, and they're all Navy, which I didn't know. Oh, well, that makes sense. And so, yeah, it does make sense. And so two of them came out with him, and there were two lovely women, um, and they're, they have ties to the Bay Area, so they went on this trip with him because uh-huh. of family here, and a lovely, lovely gals. And so one of them stayed with me, and the other one had another project to do. So we, I met with them the day, a couple of days before the event. We went over everything, and then 
the day of the event, Rose showed up at 4 p.m. The dinner was to go at 6.30. And so she was here just for a couple hours, and she was just, well, I think, you know, because he'd been here three or four times before, uh-huh. it wasn't such a, like, they didn't know me, or I was a stranger, or we're in this weird restaurant. It was, you know, it's the Getty home, and it's very secured anyway. I right. had to go through my own security check, you know. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so that that wasn't really a big deal because I've heard all sorts of things about it when you give send food or make food for the president or a king or something, then things are switched around and there's people tasting and monitoring and right, it exactly. was it was not li- it was not like that at all. In fact, she was just kind of learning about our food and I was having her taste everything and it was more like a friend nice. kind of hanging out and and of course, I'm sure they do their thing, which I wasn't aware of because they're so good at it. Yeah. But I, I definitely passed the muster. So. Nice. And nice. no one, no one got sick. No one got sick or died. So. <laughs> well, that's always a bonus. Yeah. That's always a bonus. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about Hip Chick Farms. That's your farm, and yeah. I want to, I want to know yeah. about what this is about. It, it cool looking website. Talk to me. Thank you. Well. My wife and I are, are two entrepreneurs at heart, and we, we've we been together nine years, married for eight. Wow, and, congratulations. Uh, we thought we'd con- and we thought we'd combine our superpowers and start Hip Chick Farms. And so I'm the back of the house. She's the front of the house, as they say. Uh-huh. And I do the menu development and um, R&D. Um, and then she runs the whole entire business. So if you ask me anything financial or anything like that, I would know nothing about that. Uh-huh. As well, I have my full-time, very, very busy schedule here oh, at yeah. work. Yeah, and exactly. I commute three hours every day. So. Oh, wow. So what do you do at Hip Chick Farms? At Hip Chick Farms, we wanted to make kind of a good-for-you product. And I, I, since I was famous or infamous for my chicken fingers, Uh-huh. We thought we might as well uh, focus on that and get everyone out there tasting really happy hens. We say our chickens only have one bad day. Oh yeah, and, mm-hmm. um, that's good. They uh, we visit we visited them. We've spent time with them. We uh, approve of them. You know, one one important thing as far as having this company is also a platform for bringing awareness to humanely raised animals. It's oh, a yes. really huge thing for me. Yeah, and that's very important so anyway um with my skill set and seraphina's brains we just created this company and it's going really well it's been really challenging it's been a i call it the american dream and sometimes i call it the american nightmare uh-huh. uh it's it's uh it's, it's it's a lot of blood sweat and tears but it's ours and we are fully fully transparent about every all the products we use and and where we source our ingredients and nice. the chickens we use and what you see is what you get. I think it's important for people to see who's making your food. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we do, we, you know, we're sold in over, uh, right now it's my probably 15 to 2000 stores. So, um, you know, I, I can't make this myself. So we do have some co-packers yep. that we are on top of. They make small, they make small batches mm-hmm. and we're down there all the time, uh, when they're running our product. So it's, it's very, yeah, we're just a little engine that could. You yeah. Know? yeah, how and, cool is uh, that? It's it's good. It's 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 a good it's a delicious product, and I stand by it 100. percent You know, as chefs, we're not into the whole frozen thing, but I think that's changing. Uh-huh. And I, you know, we call it we call it farm to freezer, 
And if you taste my product, especially compared to our competitors, mm-hmm. it's it's very good, and it's it doesn't taste frozen once you've heated up heated up in the in the oven. It's actually quite moist and quite flavorful. So nice. I'm, I'm really happy with it, and we're mo- moving towards doing some gluten free stuff. And my whole concept was using the whole chicken, uh-huh. and so the original idea was its finger, and then I thought, well, I can't just use the breast, so why don't right. I? I've got some trim left over, and why don't I do a meatball? And then we had a, a wing at one point. Yeah, we had a wing, at one, a wing at one point, but that didn't sell very well for whatever reason. So we discontinued the wing, and I love, I love that was my favorite, the wing. But oh well. And then we've got some meatball, gluten-free meatball as well, and a gluten-free nuggets. And in fact, we were on just in food and wine, I think last year. For twenty, for top twenty most innovative in food and drink, and our was our gluten free nugget, and we came in number four. Nice. So that was really exciting. Nice. Yeah, it was a great, great. Yeah, I see. I'm looking at the food and retail page on your website, and your packaging's great looking, and you've kind of inspired me. I'm going to go to my local Whole Foods here in Phoenix and see if I can <laughs> get some of them. Good. Well, we've spent a lot of time there, so we know we know the products there. Perfect. Sometimes, sometimes it's. Not where it should be, and that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother conversation. Broker, brokers, and things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'm going to shift a little bit on you, and I want for you to talk about what do you consider your biggest success? My daughter, hundred ah. million percent. My beautiful, gorgeous, our beautiful, gorgeous daughter, uh-huh. and she's five and a half, and it's been the greatest pleasure uh, uh, that I can even possibly speak of. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what do you feed her? <laughs> she loves chicken nuggets for breakfast. Oh, I'll bet. She loves the meatballs. She loves she just she's our biggest our biggest fan. Uh-huh. She's our su- she's our super fan. <laughs> Perfect. What drives you? Yeah. What drives me? Yeah, what's your big why? My family. Yeah. Really, really super family oriented. Uh, that is that is the top prize for me is my is my wife and my daughter, uh-huh. and our and just the love that exudes from that, as well as obviously my family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that really drives me is is being with my family and it, as well Serafina. That's why we started this. Yeah. Uh, to uh, to be be a family and and be successful, and I think it's working really well. Yay. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, well, since I have been cooking for chefing and cooking for 25 plus years, I think I would, um, I really, I really stress people when they're cooking to really try and get ingredients that just taste really good, which means seasonally and, and be really cautious about the meats you're buying mm-hmm. and how it's raised. Because the more meat that we buy when animals are really, truly mistreated, it's just supporting that. It's just keeping going on and on. And the more we can buy local and organic as much as we can, mm-hmm. and then it will be more massively available for everybody. I think that's a really big deal for me is to buy happy meats instead of <laughs> really mistreated, sad yeah. meats. Yeah. Perfect. And buy local. Sounds like too. Yeah, I mean, if you can, I don't mean, you know, I, I yeah, the, you know, you go to the farmer's markets and go buy a peach that's $4. I mean, who can afford that? Right. So, you know, the, you have to be, you have to be sensible too. And I know a lot of people, this, this is like 
you know, where I've worked most of my life is the 1%, you know, I'll admit Mm -hmm. it. But I also, I also realize what I, I try and understand, you know, also like the reality of the situation too is not everyone can afford really expensive organic food. Yeah. So I, I get that part too. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Jen. It's been a treat chatting with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Absolutely. How can our listeners get a hold of you? We would love for you to get a hold of us. And if you want to learn more about us, it's hip, H-I-P-C-H-I-C-K, farms, F-A-R-M-S, at, oh, dot com. Dot com. Yeah. That's a great website. Yeah. Hipchickfarms.com. Uh, perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.